Apex Baptist Church. What a blessing it is to be with you guys here today. Man, that was, that was some strong worship. Can I get amen? Come on, give God glory. Yeah. Woo. Man, could have taken about 15 more minutes of that, right? So, uh, no, really good, man. What a blessing it is to be with you guys here today. Man, I love this church. I love what God is doing. Uh, grateful for your staff, Pastor Zeb. I'm glad he's getting uh, some vacation today. And guys, I am so excited to be here with you this morning. Um, real briefly, uh, she said, uh, Mike Pittman, my name, um, uh, just a little bit about, about myself, uh, married to Kina. Uh, we've been married for 33 years. Um, praise, uh, bless her heart and praise the Lord, right? And um, she's not here. She usually travels with me. She's not here today. We had a, um, we had a, a close friend pass away this week, and so uh, she wasn't able to be here. And also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slip out at the end of the service outside door because I've got a funeral at 3 o'clock a couple hours away. So uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna get on with that. So uh, appreciate your prayers on that. Hey, we got two kids, Madison and Matthew. Uh, they both got married this year. Amen. Uh, just uh, get them on out the door, right? As, as quick as we can. Uh, Madison got married in June. Matt got married last weekend. Actually, man, we're just super thrilled about that. Um, been in ministry since '99, but in 2011, Keena and I had the opportunity to plant a church with uh, three of our best friends in the world in a little. Town called Lumberton. Some of you might know where that is. And, um, and uh, we, uh, man, when we planted this church, we just really felt not just that the Lord was calling us to plant a church, but we felt like, like God was calling us to plant a church planting church, a church that would plant churches. And um, man, the Lord just honored that prayer so much. Uh, we've had the privilege of planting and partnering with 12 new churches in the past 12 years. Amen. Glory to God for that. And, and uh, yeah, amen. And in February 2019, your Baptist State Convention uh, hired me to be the church planning director. Like she said, I'm the Send NC director for North Carolina Baptist, and we're grateful for this on mission together church that Apex Baptist Church is. So I, I told you we're, we're church planners, and when it, when it comes down to, to why we actually planted a church, besides the fact that God had been really dealing with me for a number of years, um, at the end of the day, you know, just doing the demographics, we found out that our town and region within that area, there were tens of thousands of people who do not know Jesus. Over 70% of the people in my area did not know Jesus. I, I hear that the statistics for Apex are very similar to that. And uh, man, we, we just, we wanted to make a difference. We wanted to plant a church that would make an impact in that area, but we also wanted to plant a church that would make an impact impact in our world. 75% of our world does not know Jesus Christ. That's over 5.9 billion people. Lord Jesus is the hope of the world. Can I get an amen? Like, like his church, the, 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 the ecclesia, the bride of Christ is the vehicle that God uses to carry that message of good news, the gospel. As I listen to Pastor Zeb's heart, so he talks to me about what we, he shared with me about what, what he really feels like the Lord is up to here at Apex. Man, I just really hear a man of God with a burden for the mission 
of God. And, and I know that he desires, believes that it's God's plan that Apex would be a church that sends. And y'all, this morning, as I, as I share with you, I just want us to see that the only way that Apex Baptist Church will ever become a sending church is that every member would live a sent life. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. And we're going to hang out in the book of Acts today. And uh, we're going to start in Acts chapter 1. And we're going to go all the way through the book. I'm just kidding. We're not really going to go all the way through. But we kind of are. I'll show you in a, in a minute. You'll see that. But uh, these are the last words. Acts 1-8. Last words that Jesus leaves the disciples in us. And he, he gives us what's known as the Great Commission but I often say to believers, we should think of this not, not just as, as a title, the Great Commission, but we should think of this as the Great Commission. Because this is us, his church, on mission with God to carry out the mission that he has given to his church. Read with me, if you will, verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, Acts 1-8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And here's the commission right here. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Apex, it's us on mission together with our Lord. Join me as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you so much for meeting with us here as, as they were singing just a moment of, uh, ago, Lord. The angels cry, holy, holy. The people sing, holy, holy. God, you are so holy and we love you, God. And I just pray that, that the love of God would just pour in this place. God, that you would help us to see you. And Lord, that you would speak to us, God, as we open up the word of God. And uh, God, I pray that we would hear what the spirit would say to this church. And God, that you would do in this time, Lord, that you would take these words. And God, that you would help us to hear from you today. God, we want you to be magnified and glorified. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody give us a big amen. amen. And you guys can be seated. A few things that we see that are important in this great commission, in this, in this verse in Acts chapter 1. The, the first thing is this. We want to look at who this message is to. And, you know, we're reminded that this message is to the church that was to come. Remember, the church had not yet been born in this moment. And we want us to see that Jesus, as he's sharing with his apostles, this isn't a message to pastors or, or just to church leaders or to super spirituals. Man, this is a message for all of us that would be his. All of us that are, that are bought by the blood, man. After Jesus ascends back into heaven, the apostles go back to Jerusalem, and when they do, uh, the people, some of, some of the disciples, they're kind of hiding out, you know, because, you know, they're afraid after Jesus was crucified, and the, the apostles share with them what they saw from Jesus, what they saw happen, but also what they heard. And like I said, if you are a blood-bought believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, guys, this is a message for you. Can I get Amen. This is a message for all of us. Here's the second thing I want us to see. How will they do it? How will they live out this great commission, this commission with the Lord? And I want to remind you that while many of us think of the great commission, when we think about this, we think of it as a go and tell, right? The go and tell the gospel. But before we get to the go and tell, we're going to see here that we have to go and wait 
I mean, that's what happens here. The Great Commission actually begins with this thought in verse 8, but you will receive power, right? They didn't have it yet. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. They will receive power. And you know what? Guys, you will too. You have received power. And man, we just have to step into that power that the Lord has given us, man. And, he's, and then the third thing we see here is not just uh, how will they do it, but also what will they do? And Jesus says to them, after they receive power, you will be my witnesses. You're going to be my witness in Ju- Ju- Jerusalem, right? Which would be like Apex. and Judea, which is kind of the, the region. And Samaria, which would be to a different ethnos or ethnicity. And to the ends of the earth. Jesus is calling each and every person here at Apex Baptist Church to be his witnesses wherever he sends you. The Great Commission is calling you and I to live a sent life. Listen, think about it like this. Your life is a mission field. Every day is a mission trip. And you are a missionary. We often don't think of ourselves as missionaries, but guys, you are a missionary. And I want to take these last few minutes to share with you five ways that sent people live their lives. Look at this. Number one, I want us to see that sent people live out kingdom. Sent people live out kingdom. I mean, that was the message of Jesus. I mean, we see that over and over again. Over 50 times in the Gospels, Jesus talks of the kingdom of God. It was the message that he came to proclaim over 100 times in the New Testament is the kingdom of God mentioned. Sent people live out kingdom. When people think about the book of Acts, oftentimes we we often think, well, this is a book about the church. But I would say to you that I think that this isn't just a, a book about the church. This is a book actually about the mission of the kingdom, and I, I want you to see that. It's the, about the expansion of the kingdom. Let me sh- look and show you uh, Acts chapter one. Look at verse three, what it says. This is Jesus. It says, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days, and he talked to them about how to start a church. Now, that's not what it says, does it, right? He talked to them how to be good Christians. He talked to them about how to have great morals. Look what he talked to them. Look at what was so important for him to talk to them. Speaking about the kingdom of God. After the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, his message didn't change. And I want you to see that as we go through the book of Acts, man, as we go through this thing, we see that the whole thing is about the expansion of the actual kingdom of God. And when we get to the end of Acts, if you'll turn real quick to Acts 28, the end of the book, I told you we were going to see the whole book. But when we get to Acts 28, look at verse 30. Man, this is the Apostle Paul. It's the very end of the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul is in Rome. He's basically on house arrest in Rome and you see what it says here. It says in verse 30, it says, he lived, he lived there two whole years at his own expense. He welcomed all who came to him. Look what it says in verse 31. What was he doing? Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Guys, the church, our church like who you guys are, the church is the temporary tool for the expansion of the kingdom of God. Vance Pittman says it like this about the kingdom. We've made church the goal. 
We've made church the goal and made the kingdom a department called missions. By the way, it's not missions, plural. There's only one mission, and it's the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen, right? There's only, there's, there's just one that's there. So the, the goal is the expansion of the kingdom of God because Jesus is coming back, y'all. He's coming back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Woo! Like Jesus is coming back. And the goal is not the church. The goal is the kingdom. Some people live out kingdom. They, they begin to understand their part in the Great Commission. I want you to wrap your mind about this, around this. Like, like I feel like every single one of us have what I like to call your world, my world, your world. And everybody's world is a little bit different. I, I'll tell you what I mean by that. I told you about Keith and I, we've been married for 33 years. Guys, after being married for 33 years, our world intersects. Our world is very, very similar in many ways. Like we, we got so many, I mean, we do everything together and, and so much. But watch this, Keita has people in her life that I have no influence over. I have people in my life that Keita has no influence over. And so the truth is, is that even though our world does intersect, and there are people that we both do life with, there are people that she ministers to, there are people that I minister to. And it's the same way for every single person in this place. All of you have a distinct world, and, and, and God has put those people in your lives on purpose. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says in Acts 17, 26, when he says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. I mean, like, like God put you here on purpose for a purpose, right? To live in this period of time because there are people that he's given to you that I believe that you are their missionary. I'm going to tell you something. Sent people live out kingdom. I'll tell you something else that sent people do. Number two, sent people pray. Before you go, duh. Well, of course, right? But it's more than that. They, they pray. They pray about the mission. They pray about why they're here. And, and you know, we, if we're taking Jesus as our example, Jesus prayed all the time. John, in Luke 3, we see him praying at his baptism. We see multiple examples of Jesus withdrawing to pray and to seek the Father about what the Father was to have him to do. I mean, we, we see in Luke 22 where, where he prays for his friends that they might remain strong. I mean, even the last night of his life, he spends in a garden praying for you and I. Hadn't even been born. And he's praying for us that we would be one, that we would be unified, that we would carry the, the, mission, the mission, guys, that we would live out the kingdom of God. And, you know, if we go over to Acts chapter 2, we'll stay in Acts here. But if we do this, we see that these people, it says that, that they were gathered in the upper room, and they were gathered together in one place. And they're doing what Jesus had already told them in Luke 24, 49. He told them, he said, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So while they're there, they're doing exactly what he says. And they're praying. They're praying. When the Holy Spirit comes and the church is born, they are in the upper room in one accord together. They're praying to the Lord. And guys, sent people have to understand that prayer is the work. We don't do the work and then say, well, God, will you please bless this? And, and you know, we're all guilty of that, are we not, right? Where you do something, you go, well, I, we should pray about this, right? 
but prayer is the work. I want to remind you that God could do more in a moment than you and I can do in a lifetime of our greatest efforts. It's just who he is, man. Great missionary Hudson Taylor says about this. He says, do not have your concert first and then tune your instrument afterwards. Begin the day with the word of God and prayer and get first into all harmony with him. Now, I'm a musician and, and used to be a worship leader years ago. And, you know, I could tell you, I mean, when you think about this, like if you were to, uh, if you had a guitar in the car and let's say it's, it's too cold or, or it's too hot and you just walked into this place and I'm going to lead worship and I just put my, my case down. I pull a Taylor guitar out. Doesn't matter how great and how expensive that guitar is. I put it on and then I'm like, okay, guys, everybody stand. Let's sing. And I just go to play it. Man, that guitar is going to sound horrible, Right because it's going to be out of tune. And you would be like, what is wrong with that guy? Who, who gets up there and does that without tuning the guitar first? And sent people should think like, man, who gets out there and tries to do the mission of God without seeking him first in prayer? We got to get in harmony with the Lord so that we know what it is that we're supposed to do, man. Listen, pray. We got to pray. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for the staff at the coffee shop. Pray for the lady at the cash register at, at Walmart. Oh, yeah, they don't have those anymore, do they, right? Pray for the woman that takes your, looks at your receipt at Walmart would be how we would say that, right? But, but we pray for them. And guys, you know this. The more that you and I pray for people and pray for the situations and pray for our surroundings, the more our eyes get adjusted to the need that's all around us. Let me ask you a super serious question. Who did you used to pray for their salvation and for some reason you stopped? Why did you stop? Do they still need Jesus? Why do we stop praying? He sent people, they, they live out kingdom. And sent people, they, they pray about the mission that God's given to them. Here's the third thing that sent people do. Sent people listen. They listen. They listen to what's going on around them. I, I, I think of Acts, why we stay in Acts. If we look at uh, verse 12 of Acts 2, um, after the Holy Spirit comes, they feel compelled by the Lord to go out and they're sharing the message with everyone who's in Jerusalem. Anyone that would hear, they're sharing the message. And, and somebody says in Acts 2.12, they say, what does this mean? What does this mean? What are these people doing? What's this all about? And Peter, listening, hears, and he gets up and he preaches that, that Pentecost message that, that we all love, right? And he preaches that message. He was listening to what was happening. And guys, that's how we have to be. If we're going to be sent people, we got to listen to what people are saying around us. Jesus was a listener, right? Jesus, Luke chapter 18, it's the story where, where Jesus hears the cries of a blind beggar. And the, the people are going, be quiet. He doesn't have time for you. And Jesus doesn't listen, but rather he listens to the blind beggar. He goes over and he asks Bartimaeus, he says, man, what? What would you like for me to do? Jesus was listening to the situation and he cared for somebody that nobody else cared about. John chapter five, Jesus walking by the pool of Bethesda and there's a, a man that's laying next to the pool. He's crippled, he needs help. And he walks over to the man and he asks him, 
Do you want to be healed? You know, Jesus listened. And if we're going to be sent people, we've got to listen to what's going on around us. He listened to people, but he also listened to what's going on around them. He heard them. Listen, sent people, they listen. They listen to the words that people are saying. They listen to the environment. They listen to what's being said. But listen, it, for the people that you're trying to minister to, you also listen to what is not said sometimes. And we just got to listen. And we ask God to help us to do that. So sent people live out kingdom. Sent people pray. Sent people listen. Let me tell you the fourth thing that I think that sent people do if we're going to live sent lives. Sent people serve. Okay, they serve, and I, I'm, it's not on the screen, but if we stay in Acts and go down to verse 46 in Acts 2, 46, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being Saved, Like sent people, they serve. They're going out, they're ministering to one another. They're serving one another. They're, they're, they're taking care of needs. They're helping other people that are out there. And moment by moment, day by day, people are coming to know the Lord. And, and a sent person, when they think about service, they understand that if they're going to live out the Great Commission, one of the ways that they do that is by serving. They serve their church. I'm grateful to all of you that serve here at Apex Baptist Church. You are making a difference when you serve. When people come for the first time and they're nervous about coming to church, and there y'all are, you're like meeting them and uh, giving them a smiling face. You're showing them where to go. They don't know where to go in this place, you know. It'd be like a maze to someone. They come in here and you, you introduce them to people and you get them some water or some coffee or something like that. You do that and you have a welcoming church and you do that. You, we serve the church, but we don't just serve the church. We serve our community. Community. How can we help? How can we make the, the community better? We serve our, our neighbors. Some people understand that everything that they do, they do to the glory of God because people are watching. Man, sent people, they, they live out kingdom. They understand that, that God has a purpose for them in his great commission. Sent people, they pray. Sent people, listen. Sent people, serve. And the last one, so important, sent people share. Hey, share, man. Look back at 247, Acts 247. Here they were, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Listen, people weren't being saved just because they were living out lifestyle evangelism, right? I mean, they were, they were showing, but man, they were telling people what Jesus was doing in their life. They had a story to tell. Guess what? You do too. They had a story to tell. They did that and they're living this out. And, and man, we got we to gotta share. We got to share. And and, you know, and that's what sent people, they do. They, they're always looking for an opportunity. Like some people be like, well, you know, I live out lifestyle evangelism. I try to live my life in such a way. Man, lifestyle evangelism that never, that doesn't eventually share a testimony and tell somebody how to know Jesus is useless. At some point, people have to hear with their ears, right? And, and that's it. But, you know, I, I get it. Like, like we, all, we all struggle. Most of us struggle in this area. You ever got that impression? You're at the, you know, 
coffee shop or getting your oil changed or in the line at the grocery store, and something says, you should talk to that person about the Lord. I know that's never happened to any of y'all, right? You should talk to that person. Or, or you, should, you should invite them to church, right? And you start going, well, you know, if I do that, it'd be weird. You know, I don't, I don't really know how to get in there. Or it'd be awkward if I do that. Or, you know, then you start really justifying. You go, what if I say something and actually turn them off to God instead of turn them, turn them towards, towards the Lord? And, you know, here, here's the thing that, uh, you know, then you're like, I don't know. Was that even the Lord? I can tell you that. I can, I can answer that one for you. Like, like Satan will never tell you to go tell somebody about Jesus. Can I get an amen, right? The devil will never be like, hey, why don't you invite them to church? Especially to Apex Baptist Church. Because they come here, they're liable to get saved. Come on, somebody, right? I always said it like this. Like, if you stand next to the creek bank long enough, eventually you're going to fall in. You're going to get wet, right? And you're going to get wet here, too, if, if, you, if you come. But, you know, why wouldn't the Lord want us to share a story? I mean, if you think about it, like, I mean, here he is. He, he sends us out here and he, he gives us, we've got something to share that they need. And, you know, we, we have the greatest, the answer to the greatest need that, that any of the people in your world have. Forgiveness of their sins and connection to the one who loves them so much that he gave his life for them. Friends, sent people share. And you know, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, even if you never knew it, you've been sent. The moment that I surrendered to Jesus um, was June 6th, 1997. I, I didn't grow up in church. I was 27 years old when I met the Lord. And um, on that day, I, I was in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and we had, um, I was at a conference for men. We were at the stadium where, where the Tennessee Volunteers play. And on the way to this, this event, I was a new believer. I've, I've been saved on April 13th, so uh, almost two months. And um, on the way to this thing, I don't know, I was praying. And I remember saying to God something like, God, I just feel like you're going to do something in my life this weekend. And so, and I, I made a couple of requests of him, and uh, I just kind of gave it to him. And that evening, I heard a guy named Mike Silva preach the gospel, and he gave a gospel invitation. And that, in, in that moment, I saw something that I had never experienced before. As I, as I look up, and it's kind of raining, I'm, um, we're sitting here, it's raining, not super hard, but it's raining. And as I look up at the stands, I see all these people. It looked like thousands of men that were coming forward to respond to the gospel. Everywhere I look, I just saw, saw men just coming down. And y'all, it broke me like I had never been broken before. Remember, I said I didn't grow up in church. I had never been to a crusade. I'd never seen Billy Graham on TV. I'd never seen any of this stuff. And I saw what looked like thousands of men surrendering to God. Y'all, I fell down on my knees, the rain just pouring down on top of me. And I remember in that moment, I, I, I didn't know what it meant, but I just knew that, that what I was seeing had something to do with the rest of my life. And when I got on my knees, I, I remember saying to God something like this, God, I, I surrender. I give it all to you. Lord, I give you my life. I already, 
Lord, I gave you my heart a couple months ago, but, but right now, God, I'm giving you all of my life. Because, you know, I had kind of, I was struggling. I was growing, but I was struggling like we all do. I, by the way, I still am, right? Maybe you are too. God, I give you my life. I give you my family. I give you my talents. I give you my job. Lord, whatever you want to do with me, I just, I just offer it all to you. And y'all, I, I experienced the Lord in a way that I never have before. Like, it, it was so powerful that I, it would be like, I would think, like, was that when I actually got saved? Now, since then, I know that, that it's not, I had evidence of spiritual fruit that were happening. But that's how, that's how uh, just mind-blowing it was. I went home, I got home at three o'clock in the morning. We drove back from Knoxville, Tennessee. Kena was asleep. I woke her up, three, three, three thirty, something like that. I woke her up, hey, hey, what's wrong, what's wrong? It's like, nothing, I gotta talk to you. What do you need to talk to me about? I gotta tell you about what the Lord has done in my life. He's so good. He, he's changed me. Kena, I don't know, I'm a different man than the man who left here yesterday. And it was surrender. I wonder if you've ever surrendered to the Lord like that. You know, I've found for, for some people, and I've seen this through the years, people meet Jesus in, in a very, very, oftentimes, very radical way. And they meet the Lord and they, they want God and they have zeal and, and they're so excited about the things of God and they're excited about church and they want to gather with God's people. They just keep getting, they get closer and closer. But at some point, I think it might be the, the devil, uh, you know, Satan will whisper in their ear, but at some point they, they just stop. They, they throw the brakes on, they, they build up a wall. It's like they're scared that they're going to be a preacher. You hear me telling the story, it's like, yeah, he was called the ministry and I don't want to do that because I don't want to be a preacher, right? I can guarantee you that it, like it's a calling, like every single person that surrenders to God doesn't find themselves in full-time vocational ministry. So go ahead and get that off of the excuse table for you right there tell you what God does want to do. When we surrender to him, he wants you to lay your yes on the table in such a way that you say, because guys, I didn't say, God, I want you to make me a preacher. I didn't say that. I said, I surrender. I give you my life. I give you my family. I give you my talents. I give you my resources. I give you my finances. I give you my job. Jesus, use me for whatever you want to use me for. As I'm going to tell you, remember I woke Keenan up at 3.30. There is joy in that. I have never, ever regret, regretted giving my life to him in such a way and laying it down. I love Jesus. Do you? Man, I love the Lord. Do you? Yeah, come on. I don't, they love Jesus? I think they do. <laughs> hey, let me just say this to you today. Man, will you, will you just lay your life down before him? Will you just surrender? Whatever that means. Don't, don't try to write the story. He's the one that writes the story. Whatever that means. Will you, will you just, just lay it down before God? Because you've been sent. God wants to use you. In this city, 
our state and around the world. Let's pray together. Father, we are, um, we're honored by your presence. God, thank you so much for joining us here today. And thank you for the mission that you've given to us, that you've called us to. Mm. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of what it is that you want to do in this world, Lord. Help us to live it out. God, I, I pray for anyone that's here that, that maybe they, they just recognize that maybe they quit growing or maybe they're afraid to take, they've been afraid to take that next step with you to follow you in whatever it is that you're calling them to, to live their lives in a sent way. Like I said, their, their life is, is a mission field. Their, every day is a mission trip and they're a missionary. So God, I pray that you would use them in that way. Uh, maybe there's someone here today that, that their next step is not just surrender to whatever it is you're calling them to, but Lord, it's surrendering to a relationship with you and I would just say it like this this morning I'm not asking whether or not they're saved because a lot of times people get so confused because they joined the church one time or they got baptized let me ask this question is Jesus Christ alive in you is he alive You shouldn't have to think about that. That's an easy yes or no. And for anyone that's here that maybe it was kind of like, eh, you know, and I'd just like to invite you to receive him this morning. You don't have to wonder if he's alive. You can know for sure. My pastor, when he led me to Christ the day that, that I surrendered my life to him, not June 6th, but April 13th, he led me in a prayer that was kind of like this. I said, Lord, Thank you for showing me my need for Jesus. Thank you for loving me and for sending your son to die on that cross for me. Jesus, I want all of you, every part of you. Lord, I, I want you to fill me with your life so that I can live for you today and from this day forward. Jesus, thank you. For saving me. It's in your name. I pray. If anyone prayed that prayer, man, I want to encourage you to talk to a talk to a pastor before you leave here. Man, tell them, tell them, tell them this. Jesus is now alive in me. It's in his name we pray. Amen.